0: If you don't know me, my name is Cody Holman. I'm the Connections pastor here, um, which means I get to connect with those of you who are new to our church and help you get involved in some of our ministries and our small groups and things like that. And I just love what I get to do. I love getting to meet you and hear your stories. I love um, getting to serve under such incredible leadership. Pastor Allen and Pastor Kathy are the real deal. Just such genuine people. It's, it's such a joy if you know, if you have a job, you know how important it is to have leaders that believe in you and see potential in you. And so we are spoiled, so blessed as a staff to have leadership like them. And so they are on a well-deserved vacation this week. Um, Yes, yes. So they're enjoying time with their family. And so I'm just honored that I get to share the word with you today. I'm really looking forward to what I believe God has for you this morning. Um, You know, it's kind of hard to come up after such a powerful move of God and worship, but I believe that he's just getting started. And what that's going to take is for you this morning to have an open mind and an open heart and allow him to speak to you about this word today. Because I believe that a lot of us come in here and we worship like we did in that moment. And we come in on Sundays and we get filled with God's presence and we leave so encouraged and then we forget about him the whole week. And we wonder why we're lacking in a connection with him. When we feel his presence. We feel his spirit here on Sunday mornings. But why can't we connect with him that same way at home? And today I want to talk to you about your heart. So the title of my message today is Heart Check. Heart Check. Now, if you know me the hill I will die on is the idea that God will provide for us. He will meet a need. But a lot of times it takes steps of obedience and faith on our part, right? So I'm always like, you know, when people are praying, God, give me a job. I'm like, have you have you filled out an application? Right? It takes steps of obedience on our part. And so one of the verses I love is that his word is the lamp onto our feet and the light onto our path. And what that means is that as soon as we take a step we don't know what's on the other side. That's what takes faith. And so this morning, as I, was, as I was praying about this message and saying, God, what do you want to speak to your people today? He said, I want you to go back to that verse. And it says, his word is a light on our feet. His word. And I started thinking about the truth of God's word and the power of God's word and how he says that it is a weapon for us. And I started thinking about this world that we live in where we live in a surplus of information. Anything you want to know is at your fingertips. That's why, you know, before, five years ago, you'd get a sore throat and you'd take a cough drop and call it a day. Now you're on Google for seven hours thinking you have a chronic disease because there's so much information out there, right? And one person in Kansas seven years ago had a sore throat and she croaked. So now you're worried right? So much information. That's why one day we read an article saying research has backed that carbs are bad for you. Get rid of carbs. And then there's a thousand other articles that say, no, you have to have carbs for energy. Research backs it. In the same way that some people say research says breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And then a thousand other articles say that actually intermittent fasting is the thing that we need to be doing. So much information, and because there is so much information, everybody has an opinion, everybody has their own thoughts, everybody thinks they're the expert on something, it is so easy for us to get tugged in so many different directions and question what we truly believe and what we know as truth. And so it's so important for us to get the truth and the knowledge of God's word to transfer from our head to our heart. Because when something is in your heart, your mind doesn't have time to argue about it because it bubbles up from inside of you because you know it as truth. And I'm looking at this passage in Matthew chapter four and it gives a beautiful example of what it looks like to have the word of God planted in your heart. In verse 1, it says, Afterwards, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. And after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely weak and famished. Then the tempter came to him to entice him to provide food by doing a miracle. So he said to Jesus, How can you possibly be the Son of God and go hungry? Just order these stones to be turned into loaves of bread. And he answered, The scriptures say bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word, which constantly goes forth from God's mouth. So then the accuser transported Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem and perched him at the highest point of the temple and said to him, If you are really God's son, jump and the angels will catch you. For it's even written in the scripture that he will command his angels to protect you and they'll lift you up so that you won't even bruise your foot on a rock, right? And once again, Jesus says to him, the scriptures say you must never put the Lord your God to a test. And the third time the accuser lifted Jesus up into a very high mountain range and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the splendor that goes with it. Of all these kingdoms I will give to you, the accuser said. If only you will kneel down before me and worship me. But Jesus says, go away, enemy. For the scriptures say, kneel before the Lord your God and worship only him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Yeah. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for your spirit that is with us today. Lord, I just pray that you would move, that I would get out of the way, that I would decrease and you would increase, Lord. Father, I pray for every person in this room that our hearts and minds and spirits would be open to whatever you have to say today. I pray that we would put in the work to self-evaluate and to listen to your Holy Spirit and what you are speaking to us this morning. We love you, Lord. I just pray that your will would be done in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, something that I love to share every time I get up here and get the opportunity to speak to you is that I'm recently married. So yeah, it's really fun. Um, And I can only say that for a little bit longer because I feel like once it's a year, I'm not really allowed to say that, but we still have a few months. So I'm recently married. Um, And if you don't know my husband, Richard, he is such like a manly man. Like he loves to work on projects. He loves to work with his hands. He loves to fix things. He loves to repair things. Like he loves woodworking. I mean, he just is super passionate about all those things to the point that You know, we live in an apartment right now, and so we pay money for a maintenance man to come and fix things when they're broken. But I can't tell you how much money we've spent on tools and on Drano and on all these things because Richard wants to do it himself, right? He's a do-it-himself kind of guy. And so it's been really fun um, in our marriage because, you know, the first few months it was just like, this is so cool. Let's eat ice cream till like 1 a.m. and watch Netflix all night. And now we're at that really exciting point where we're kind of starting to dream and try to narrow our focus on what our future is going to look like. And so we're like, should we buy a house? Should we get a dog? Like, what should we do? And so um, we're thinking about this, and Richard had this fantastic idea. He's like, you know what we should do? We should buy a foreclosed house and just fix it up. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. Like, thinking, like, oh, this is just a a fleeting thought, you know? I'm like, sure, that'd be awesome. And he's like, it'd be so great. We can gut the whole thing. I can work on projects all the time. And I'm over there like, oh, my gosh, like, we're not going to even have, like, a place to sit or, like, air to breathe for so long. And so I'm thinking about this, and I'm freaking out. And so he was really clever about this. He was so smart because what he did is a few weeks ago, he came into church, and he started talking to all y'all about it. And so then I have all these people coming up to me on Sunday, like Cody heard you guys are gonna renovate a house. You go, girl! And I'm like, oh my gosh, like no! So he was sneaky. He started going around planting the idea. You know, some of y'all started getting really excited. So thank you for that. Um, So (laughs) we are, you know, I'm just trying to process all of this. I'm like, well, what's this gonna look like? And I start kind of thinking through all this stuff, and I'm a little bit panicked and. A couple of weeks weeks ago, uh, Miss Lori, Dr. Thomason's wife, comes up to me at the first-time guest booth, and she says, Hey, heard you guys wanted to renovate a house. You know, we have some experience. That's so cool. That'll be awesome for you guys. And, you know, I'm close with Miss Lori. Miss Lori and I have had some heart-to-hearts in my lifetime. And so I said, "Miss Lori... I don't think this is going to (laughs) happen. I said, I don't see this happening at all. I don't know how we're going to do it. What if the market crashes? What if we, like, try to take out a loan? We don't have enough money for a down payment. What if we get there and there's, like, termites everywhere? You know, where am I supposed to sleep for, like, nine months or however long this is going to take? And then what if, you know, we lose a bunch of money? Or what if we have to move because of Richard's job? And she interrupts me and she says, Cody, where is your faith? And I was like, Miss Lori, like, come on, you know, like, I'm just trying to vent to you right now. You know, like, I know I can trust God. I know he's going to have our back and all that stuff. And she said, no, I think you know it here, but I'm not sure if you really know it here. And I started thinking about this and I'm like, wow, she might be right. (laughs) And not only because, you know, I'm not up here to act like I'm any better than any of you, right? We're all on a journey. And this concept is something that I believe holds people back their entire life. Because you believe the lie that you are walking in God's purpose and you know his word and you have a relationship with him. And some of these truths haven't transferred from here to here. Because what happens is when we really know that we know that we know the truth of God, when disappointments come, instead of letting our brain rattle off a ton of ideas, we say, no, 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 I know that God's faithful. I know his good, his good is for my life. I know his plan is for me to experience good. And I know that whatever the situation is, that it will bring him glory. And I trust him because he has always been faithful to me. That's what happens when disappointments come. If we know that we know that we know. In the same way, when challenges come, And it seems like, wow, this mountain is never going to move. We, by faith, are like, no, God, I know you've come through me. You've come through in every situation, every time in my life, and I know you're going to come through again. I don't doubt you. You are a good father. I know that your will is not to harm me, so I'm not worried about this challenge. That would be our gut response. But if we don't know that we know that we know the word of God in our hearts, then our head will quickly talk ourselves out of it. So it's so important for us to know at the core of who we are, God's truths about our life. And we see this in Matthew 4, right? When Jesus was being tempted and the enemy was trying to attack his identity, He wasn't thinking, hmm, well, maybe I should turn that stone into bread. Maybe I could do that. Hey, let me actually look up on Google. What has other people done, like, in this situation? What did they do? Let me actually ask my friend what they think. Let me call my mom and see what she has to say about this. Let me look this up. No, he didn't look for other information. He didn't listen to a personal development podcast. He didn't read a book. He said, no, I know that I know that I know what God's word says, and that is the weapon that he used against the enemy. So why are we walking through our lives thinking that we can use any other tool to defend lies that the enemy tries to tell us? Why do we think that? And so you're like, okay, well, I get it. I need to know the word of God in my heart. But Cody, how do I transfer this head knowledge to heart knowledge? And the first thing that we need to do is we have to receive healing. We have to receive healing. Healing. Some of you in here, people have spoken words over you and you have accepted them as truth over your life. Some of you in here have gone through really difficult circumstances and you've believed the lie that you constantly have to fight every single circumstance in your own strength. Some of you were told that you're never going to amount to anything or you're never going to be anything or you're not good enough. And you have said that over and over and over in your head so many times that now you believe it as a personal truth that is not true. Some of you have struggled in circumstances and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I thought God was gonna provide for me in this way, but He didn't, so now I'm just gonna work and work and work and work because I can't trust God to provide for me, so I have to provide for myself. And you believe that lie in your head. Do you know the quickest? way to receive healing is through repentance and praise. Amen. Repentance and praise. You have got to get in the presence of Jesus and get down to that root of what was planted in your life. That seed that was sown that should never have been there. You've got to get in the presence of Jesus. Let's say let's say I have a root of jealousy and I am jealous of everyone and everything. This looks like getting in the presence of the Lord and saying, God, show me. Show me where this happened. Show me where this root was established in my life because I need you to uproot it. I need you to heal me from the hurt of this situation because I don't wanna continue to believe this lie about my life any longer. So you get in the presence of Jesus and you say, Lord, show me. And he takes you back to a moment where you were working so hard at your job And you thought you were the one to deserve the car promotion. But Janet, who cusses and is just nasty and doesn't love the Lord, got the car. And so you are ticked off, right? And you're like, Lord, what's up with this? I thought you were going to provide me. I've been over here faithful, serving you. And now Janet gets the car. And not only that, but then you stop being a light for Janet. You start treating her really rudely. She says hi to you during the day, and then you watch her drive up in her car, and you're just mad. And then every single time that somebody else receives a blessing, you can't celebrate it. Because it reminds you of the time that you felt like you got cheated. And so your whole life goes by, and year after year after year, and now it's to the point where you're like, well, I'm just a jealous person. This is just who I am. When God never created you to be that. But you allowed a moment of weakness where the enemy said, remember the enemy said, how can you be the son of God? He whispered a lie saying, how how could God provide for her and not you? You're always going to be cheated. Everyone else is going to get stuff that you're never going to get. And you took that as truth and you repeated it in your life. And so you have got to get in the presence of Jesus and ask him to uproot those lies. And not only do you need to take care of this stuff in the past, Right, We all have past hurts that we have accepted and spoken over our lives, but we have to be active about protecting our mind now. We have to be active about fighting to protect our heart. I love the verse that says, "Create in me a pure heart, oh God. How do we do this? Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So whether you are rooted in God's truth, or you are rooted in fake truth, everything you do is going to flow from that. Every single thing. Every day we have to be on defense against the negativity and the lies of the enemy that would try to speak to our hearts. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what we do. And you, you need to call yourself out, out loud in these moments. If you look in the mirror, and immediately as you're getting ready, you start thinking, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm never going to be enough. I'm not manly enough. You need to step away from that mirror and say, oh, no, 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 no. Not today, Satan. No, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My God is a good father, and he is an artist, and he crafted me perfectly. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am enough because he says I'm enough. You want to, yes, you want to turn discouragement into encouragement? You start speaking the word of God over your life. Encourage yourself in the Lord. You have to. You have to combat it with scripture. And I know you're like, okay, Cody, I get it. I need healing. I need to protect my mind. But I don't know scripture like that. I can't just spout it off like that. Well, the second thing we need to do is meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's word. Joshua one eight said, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Amen. Only then. Some of us are working so hard. Some of us are striving so hard and we're wondering why we're not getting anywhere. And it says meditate on it day and night. Only then will you prosper. How do you think you can prosper if you are walking and everything is overflowing out of lies you believe about yourself? Right? Your heart has to be grounded in God's truth. You have to meditate on it day and night. And I know in the day and age that we live in, some of you are like, meditate, that sounds weird. Right? Like sitting and be like, oh, God. Right? Like, that's not what that means. I mean, you do you, but (laughs) meditating on God's word, the the definition of meditate is think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time. Focus one's mind for a period of time. Who knows that's hard to do in 2019? A lot of us can't even carry on a conversation with our spouse without thinking thinking of our to-do list or what we have to do at work or what phone call we have to make. It is so hard for us to focus on one thing at a time. But meditating means that we think deeply and focus on this one thing, not just in the morning, but also at night and also through the day. And this is hard because we live in a microwave culture where everything is so quick, that surplus of information. We have a thousand ideas and thoughts going in and out of our mind all the time. And I'm going to step on some toes here. But that's why a lot of you who think you're just doing okay by reading the verse of the day, and you're not growing in your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And the reason is because we know. You look at your phone, you read the verse of the day, a text pops up, an email pops up, or let's say it doesn't, and you read the whole thing, and you're like, okay, good, that's encouraging for my day. By 3 p.m., you have no idea what that verse was. Right. Because your brain has been taken over by so much other information. Yeah. You haven't allowed that to meditate, you haven't meditated on, you haven't allowed it to go over and over in your mind and you're wondering why you don't know the word of God deep in your heart because it's a fleeting thought that you don't dedicate time to. You have to meditate on the word of God. Day and night, keep it at the forefront of your mind. And I know some of you in here might have some doubts, so I have a little scientific lesson for you, Okay. Um, Sarah, who is our intern this summer, we've been reading a leadership book called The Slight Edge. It is a secular leadership book. It's not a Christian book, um, but it's all about how small daily discipline, disciplines compounded over time equal success. So he's saying, this is why these fad diets don't work, right? But if you were to make one small change every day, it's going to take a lot longer, but your success will be lasting. And he talks about this idea between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind, And we all have healthy subconscious thoughts and not healthy subconscious thoughts and habits. Any of you ever driven somewhere and have no idea how you got to work? (laughs) Right? Like that's your subconscious taking over because it says your brain has told itself, all right, we know this. We've done this enough. Now it's just going to be part of who we are and we're not going to have to consciously think about it anymore. Some of you have unhealthy subconscious actions, like when you get home, the first thing you do is pour a drink or put the TV on or plop on the couch and get on Instagram, and you're not even consciously deciding to do those things. It's just been a habit for so long. And he talks about the reason a lot of us never really reach our goals is because we've never thought about them enough and processed them enough that they get into our subconscious and our life starts making turns towards those goals. So he says, okay, how, how do you get something in your subconscious? Not his words, but you meditate on it. He's like, what you do, he's like, you write your goals on a sticky note and you put them on the mirror. And every day when you get up, you read them. You speak them out loud over yourself. And let's say your goal says, I make healthy choices. A month from now, two months from now, you're going to look at a menu and not even look at the French fries because you've taught your brain what you want to do. And I share that with you Because the same concept can apply with scripture. If you don't know God's word, write it down, put it on a sticky note, and every day speak that over your life. Just for example, let's say that you don't really have a bold attitude, a bold spirit, a bold characteristic, characteristic about yourself. And you're like, you know what? I just kind of feel like there's other people that could like go up and tell people about Jesus or pray for them. But that's not really me. That's not really my personality. I'm not super outgoing. So that's just for other people. But you're like, no, I actually want to be better about this. I want to be bold. I know that God's called me to be bold. So then you look up the scripture that says, 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Amen. And so you write that down, and you put it on a sticky note, and every day when you're brushing your teeth, you read it in your head. Okay, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You brush your hair, and you speak it over yourself. No, God didn't give me a timid spirit. No, I have a spirit full of power and love and self-discipline. And you speak that over yourself every single day. And I want you to imagine this. A month goes by, and you're out to eat with your family. And your waitress comes up, and something just seems a little off. She seems upset. She seems discouraged. Her eyes are kind of watery. And you think, you feel that check in your spirit that says, "I I should ask her if I could pray for her. And before... That would have been a, a thought in your conscious mind where you would have said, well, actually, maybe not. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to you know, offend her. Maybe she's really uncomfortable with that. Maybe she's never been to church before. I don't want to embarrass my family, so I'll just not. Maybe somebody else will do it. But because you know that you know that you know and you have taught your subconscious and your heart the truth of God that says, no, I am not timid. I have a powerful spirit, a loving spirit. I can do this. And without even thinking about it, you ask her, hey, is everything okay? Can I pray for you? And her eyes well up with tears, and she sits at your table, and your kids get to see you being an example for them, and your spouse gets to be encouraged by your obedience, and God gets to use you to change the entire life of this person. Why? Because you're talented? Because you have the great personality? No because you are operating in the truth that God originally assigned you to walk in. That is why. You don't have to be special. You don't have to have a special personality. All you have to do is know that you know that you know that what God says in his word is true and to have it planted so deeply in your heart that you don't have time to talk yourself out of it, but it just bubbles up out of you naturally. And we all have the opportunity to do this. Every single one of us. So what we need to do is this practice of turning God's word from information to revelation in our life. And I know you're like, wow, you know, I just feel like that just kind of puts it in a box, right? We need to practice. We need to write a sticky note. In the world that we live in, that might be what it takes. And it's worth the work. Yeah, you might only have one verse memorized and in your spirit after three months, but that is sure better than nothing over three years. I want to read to you part of Psalm 19 to remind you the beauty and the importance of God's Word in our lives. It starts in verse 7. God's Word is perfect in every way, how it revives our souls. His laws lead us to truth and his ways change the simple into wise. His teachings make us joyful and radiate his light. His precepts are so pure. His commands, how they challenge us to keep close to his heart. The revelation light of his word makes my spirit shine radiant. Every one of the Lord's commands is right, and following them brings me cheer. Nothing he says ever needs to be changed. The rarest treasures of life are found in his truth, and that is why I prize God's word like others prize the finest gold. Nothing brings the soul such sweetness as seeking his living words. For they warn us, his servants, to keep us from following the wicked way, giving a lifetime guarantee, great success to every obedient soul. Without this revelation light, how would I ever detect the waywardness of my heart? Lord, forgive my hidden flaws whenever you find them. Keep cleansing me, God, and keep me from my secret, selfish sins. May they never rule over me. For only then will I be free from fault and remain innocent of rebellion. So may the words of my mouth, my meditation thoughts, and every movement of my heart be always pure and pleasing, acceptable before your eyes, my only redeemer, my protector, God. How thankful are you for God's word? How thankful are you that we don't have to depend on our own strength and our own plans and trying to figure out what step is right and where to go and what we should do and how are we gonna balance all this and how are we gonna hold all these burdens on ourselves? How thankful are you for the weapon of the word of God, for the lamp onto your feet and the light onto your path, a treasure richer than gold? I don't know about you, but when I have conversations with people and when I walk into a room, I want that to be what bubbles up out of my spirit. Not the lies that the enemy has taught me or said about me. That is not who God created us to be. And that is not how he can effectively use you every single day. God can do whatever he wants. He can use anybody. But he says to meditate day and night and only then will you prosper. And succeed. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my time on earth to be just getting by. I want to prosper. I want to succeed. I want to bring God glory. I want to see heaven on earth, and I want to be a part of it. And that takes me believing in who God created me to be. And if I have to repeat a verse every single day for the next three years for it to get into my spirit, I'll do it. And I hope that you will too. Will you bow your heads?